Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. So today we are filming from our church's auditorium. Just a, almost two years ago in May, uh, we were able to start our church plant here in Elkhart. And uh, for the first six months, we met in uh, the Concord Mall. But then on November 11th, 2018, we were finally able to move into this building. We were finally able to meet on Sunday mornings. And I'll tell you, we were so, so excited. Um, but today, today things look pretty different. Three weeks ago uh, from the Sunday, we were having our last normal service before a team of 15 of us went to Guatemala on a mission trip. So we had our service, it was a wonderful service, had child dedication, had over 200 people, and then we got on a plane to Guatemala. I had, I had no idea that that was gonna be our last service in this building for quite some time. I never would have dreamed that. But things can change in a heartbeat, as we've seen. And it can leave us a little disoriented, a little um, worried. Things are not the same. They're not the way that they used to be. Um, but it's times like that that we can actually begin to lose hope. But, uh, but today I want to remind us all that we have a God who saves. We have a God who is all powerful. We have a God that can transform things from darkness to light in a moment, in just a moment. Now, I need to be reminded of this almost daily. Um, this past week, even, it's just crazy how my emotions would go up and down all week long. And I'm, I'm sure you probably felt some of the same way. Um, but I would have these moments where I'm like, yes, God can do this. I'm full of faith. I'm excited. And then I'll have those moments when I'm just full of dread and, and fear. And it's at times like that that we need to be reminded that God is faithful. We need to be reminded through scripture of what God can do. So today we're going to be reading a scripture that reminds us of that. And you can turn in uh, your Bibles if you would like. We're going to be in the, the book of Psalms, chapter 46. And by the way, if you're looking for a book of the Bible to read during this time, the book of Psalms is a great book to be reading because so many times the author, David, is in a troubling situation, and then all of a sudden God comes through and saves the day. And uh, so it just kind of reminds us of where we're at today. But specifically, we're going to be in the book of uh, our book of Psalms, chapter 46. And uh, this was written by King David. And it's actually a song. This is chapter 46 is a song. I'm not going to break into song for you today. Um, but you can sing it on your own in your free time if you would like. But it was written for the director of music uh, in the King James. It said to the chief musician. So this psalm was meant to be sung by the best vocalist that they had, the chief musician. And uh, it, was, it was actually um, stated from German, the German priest Martin Luther that when he had any discouraging news, he would go and he would say, Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm. So this is a Psalm to bring uh, hope in the midst of trial. So I'm gonna read just the first seven verses. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So today's message is titled, Raising Hope, Trusting in Our God Who Saves. And I, and I titled it Raising Hope because we need to kind of raise that hope up within us. Um, and so that's what this message is about. I'm going to give us a few reasons why we can have hope in the, this time of crisis. But if you would, uh, just close your eyes and pray with me as I just kind of pray for our time together. So God, we come to you and just thank you um, for the gift of technology that we can uh, kind of communicate through this time, Lord, even though we can't meet physically together, Father. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give me the words to say and that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to us through your scripture today. We give you permission to be with us through all of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you got our email, you might have gotten the handout. Uh, you can fill that in on your handout or you can just take a few notes if you would like. But I'm gonna give us three reasons why we can have hope during this time of crisis. Number one, it's because God is our safe place. God is our safe place. Psalms 46, verse one and seven says, God is our refuge. The God of Jacob is our fortress, is our fortress. So I want you to think back to when you were a child. Did you have a safe place? Did you have a place that you would go to kind of hide out for protection? Maybe you had a person that you would run to that you felt safe around. So I've, I've talked about our, our grandnieces, Paisley and Bristol before, and there's this game that we play with them quite often. So one of us, either my wife or uh, my, my son, Ben, or my daughter, Becca, will we'll chase after those girls. And they'll go running and they'll be screaming and running around the house. And then they'll run to me or they'll run to, to Rose and they'll jump into our arms and they'll just say, protect me, save me, save me. And we'll hold them and, and just save them. And, and at that moment, they know that they're being chased. There's a danger out there. My son Ben's after them. And they know that they can jump into our arms and they can be safe. Well, God wants to be that for us. God is our refuge. God is our safe place, and we can run to him for safety. Now, in this verse, the Hebrew word for the word refuge is this makasa or maksa, and uh, it means a shelter, hope, a place of refuge. It means to trust. And I just want to remind us today that God is our place of hope, and we can trust in him. We can run to him and we can jump into his arms and he will protect us. But here's a question I have for us to really consider this week. So this past week, think about it. In this time of crisis, where have I gone for refuge? What has been my safe place? Where have I been going to find hope? 
And I've been, you know, I'll be honest, I, I, I've been looking to our president as a place of refuge. I've been looking for our scientists, our doctors, even our economy, you know, to kind of kind of save us through this time. And, and, and every time I do, it falls short, right? I mean, it just does. It falls short. But when I go to God, when I put my trust in him, man, he never falls short. He is always there with his loving arms to wrap around me, to wrap around you, and to be that place of safety, that place of shelter. And when we do that, when we jump into his arms, then we can already start to feel his strength as well. That's point number two. We can have hope during this time of crisis because God is our source of strength. God is our source of strength. Verse one says, God is our refuge and strength. He is our refuge and strength. And we need God's strength emotionally, spiritually, physically in this time. We need him. There isn't anything like a time of crisis to see what we're made of, right? And to see what we're relying upon. Now, Jesus knew who his strength was. It was his heavenly father. And in his greatest trial, in his greatest time of suffering, Jesus went to his heavenly father for strength. It was the night before he was going to be crucified. And he went to the garden of Gethsemane. And, and Jesus knew what was gonna happen the next day. He already knew he was gonna be crucified, he was gonna be beaten, all those things. And uh, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he, and he spent the night in prayer with God, talking to God, having conversations with God because he knew he needed strength. Now, many people, if, if, if they knew what Jesus was gonna go through, they might've said, Jesus, you need your strength. You need to go and, and get some sleep. But Jesus knew better. He said, no, I need to spend time with my heavenly father. And God did, God did reward him. Luke chapter 22, verse 43 says, an angel from heaven appeared to him, appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. Jesus received the strength that he needed. And, and so much so you can see it in the, in the verses and the chapters later, Jesus was arrested and he didn't try to escape. He was beaten and he didn't fight back. He was wrongfully accused over and over and he never said a word, they even spit on him and he did nothing in return. Eventually they whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they laid him on the cross and they, they put nails in his, in his hands and his feet and they just stood him up, crucified him and left him there to die. And at that time, Jesus made the most profound statement in Luke chapter 23, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus showed us in that day an incredible amount of strength. And I would say it wasn't his own strength. It was strength from his heavenly Father. It was strength from the Holy Spirit. And so during this time, as followers of Jesus, we need to be strong. We need to show strength. Now, not our own personal strength, um, because that's gonna fall short. But no, we need to show the strength of our Heavenly Father, the strength of the Holy Spirit, because God is our strength at this time. And, and the world is looking at us because the world doesn't have that strength. And so they're falling short and, and they're afraid. And they're looking to us and, they're, and, and we have that opportunity to show strength 
in the midst of trial. When we go to God, he strengthens us. And we can show that to others. In the Old Testament, there was a uh, Old Testament priest named Zerubbabel, and he was given a mighty task, which was to rebuild the temple. And uh, he didn't have money resources, didn't have a lot of time, didn't have uh, a lot of people to help. But he was given this mighty task. And I'm sure it felt pretty overwhelming. And that's how many of us probably feel at this time. But God sent the prophet Zechariah to deliver this message to him. And and I believe this is a message for me and you today. Zechariah 4.6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. See, this crisis is weighing heavy on, on all of us and not just us here at Lighthouse, but we're talking about people all around the world. Man, they're feeling the weight of the situation. And God is there and he is saying to us, hey, don't try to do this on your own, not by your own might, not by your own power, but by my spirit. You can do this. By my spirit, you can do this. And you can walk in strength. So you can fill this in. Even when my strength is gone, God's strength will carry me. We can trust that, that God's strength is there for us and he will help us through this time. So that's that's the second reason why we can have hope during this time of crisis is because God is our source of strength. Now let me give you one more point from the scripture. Says we can have hope during this time of crisis because God will help us. God will help us. I love these verses. It says in verse one and two, God is a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear because we can trust him. And then verse five says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. God will help us. It will happen. I truly believe that. And we need scriptures like this to remind us that God is a savior and he He definitely saves his children. And we can believe in that and we can count on that. You just dive into your Bible and you will read story after story after story of God rescuing his children. Now, one thing I've noticed is that God is rarely early, but he's never late. But boy, he doesn't always do it on my time. I mean, I wish today we were completely free of the coronavirus. But one day I believe we will be, that we will have uh, um, an answer to this. And I believe that God is going to be the one given the credit for it. But it's in his timing. It's in his timing. But if we look at scripture, God always shows up. Uh, I want to tell you one story. This is one of my favorites in 2 Kings chapter 6. At this time, Samaria, the city of Samaria, is the capital of Israel. And it's a fortified walled city and the prophet Elisha is living there and so is the king of Israel. So you can kind of get a picture of this. This is the capital city. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's rich, but it gets under attack. I'm going to read 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 24. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great Famine in the city, the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. 
and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Now, in those days, they had these fortified walls. They were thick, and armies couldn't break through. They really couldn't break through the walls. So when an army came to attack a fortified city, the only thing they could really do was to surround the city and just keep everything from going in or out of the city, and they would just lay siege to it. Now, this the siege would last weeks, and probably in this case, it had been going on for months. And so it's just a matter of who's going to give in first. So at that time, um, they had a big famine in the city because they had run out of food. And it says that a, uh, uh, a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. Now, 80 shekels of silver is about two pounds of silver. And so I kind of did the math. That's about $465. Think about that. I mean, you can buy a side of beef almost for $465 today. But all you could buy at that time was a donkey's head. Think about that. That's how much they were starving and how valuable any type of food was. In fact, the story goes on to say that, that the, the women there began to eat their infants, began to eat their children. It was, it was a terrible situation. They were starving. And so they cried out to God and God saves them. He answers them. It starts out by, he, he tells Elisha to go tell the king this thing. He says, that they will be delivered the next day. He says, you're going to be delivered tomorrow. And tomorrow there will be so much food that you won't know what to do with it. So just imagine the king at that moment and the people going, how can that be? I mean, we're, we're starving. We're surrounded by this army. And you're saying tomorrow we will have so much food we won't know what to do with it. But that's what happens. Let me read this section of scripture 2 Kings chapter 7, starting with verse 3, it says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, well, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of the chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans, so that a sia of the finest flour sold for a shekel, and two sias of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. They had so much food available that nine quarts of flour was just a few dollars to purchase. They were overflowing. God did that in 24 hours because our God is miraculous. And he can save it the day. He can rescue us and he can help us at any point. So I believe that this crisis we're in, it's going to end. And I believe it's going to end in a pretty significant way and that God is going to get the glory for it. That's my prayer. And that's what we're going to take time to actually pray for. We're going to believe in a miracle. There, I've, I've been listening to a lot of other churches and, and uh, uh, pastors 
on social media and everybody is just praying for a miracle. And so what I want to do here at Lighthouse is I want to join in with those hundreds of thousands of prayers that are being lifted up. And I want to take time as a church to fast and pray for a miracle. So we're going to start doing that on Tuesday nights or on Tuesdays during the day. So I'm asking you to join us by fasting and praying on Tuesdays for a miracle. And you can join us online as well. We're going to have a couple of opportunities for that. Um, we'll be doing a Zoom prayer, like just gathering together online and praying at 9 a.m. and 12 noon on Tuesday. And then we're also going to be going live on Facebook at 6 p.m. Uh, as we pray and seek God for a miracle, because I know that God can do it, right? I know that he can do it, and you can, you can trust that he can. And so our prayer is that he will, that he will move on our behalf and he will rescue our area, he will rescue our community, he will rescue our country, and he will come in and save the day for the entire world. So I hope that you would join us on Tuesdays. And our plan is we're going to continue to fast and pray on Tuesdays until we can fill up this building again and meet together again. All right, so that was my last point. In closing, I just want to read a scripture to you. I was reading this uh, this morning in my, my daily Bible time, and it was just encouraging to me. And so I want to encourage you with this as well. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul speaking, and he's he's talking to the, uh, the church in Corinth, starting with verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Let's pray. So God, we do come before you, Lord, and we do ask for a miracle. And Lord, we trust you. We know that you are our shelter, Father. We know that you are our source of strength. And Father, we know that you are our help. So today, God, we pray that you would just move on our behalf, that you would move on our behalf, Father, and that you would get the credit. We will, we will give you the praise and glory, Father, when we can meet together again in this sanctuary, Father. So strengthen us, Father, and Help us to be the light that you've asked us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. And again, church, go be the light. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.